You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us here on an all-new episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. Now, I'm going to come right out of the gate and let you know that you can have it all in life, just not at the same damn time. Now, I want you to think about that because that is the title of our guest's brand new book. Today, we are joined by Romy Neustadt, who is a former corporate chick, first a lawyer, then a PR executive, who traded in the billable hour to become an entrepreneur. She's figured out how to juggle being a wife, a mom, a professional success, and a healthy human without losing it all in the process. And let's just keep it realistic. Everything I just named right there is a full-time job within itself. She is on a mission to help individuals have it all in life as well. Romy's first book, Get Over Your Damn Self, The No BS Blueprint to Building a Life-Changing Business, received a gold award from the Nonfiction Authors Association. And as mentioned, you can have it all, just not at the same damn time. The title of her second book is being published by Portfolio Penguin Random House and is officially out now. We are going to be diving into that in just a little bit. Really excited to have the insights of Romy on the show. This is going to be something that you do not want to miss. So I am going to make sure or ask you to make sure you are sharing this with individuals in your circle, with individuals in your masterminds, in your network, in your Rolodex, in your business, in in whatever. This episode right here needs to be shared because Romy's message is so priceless, to be honest, so invaluable that it is really, really remarkable. So super excited to dive into that in just a little bit. Make sure you're sharing this. Once you realize that value seeps through, seeps into your mind, it's incredible what we got going on here. This wouldn't be possible without the partnership or the newfound partnership with my branding agency, 1B Branding. So if you in 2020 have this vision, have this goal of either your business or your personal brand just completely launching in an upward trajectory, we want to be able to help you do that. So what we're doing is a free, totally complimentary, no strings attached brand audit for your business or for your personal brand. All you have to do is reach out to us in the email or through the email address that you can find in the show notes of this episode, which is just info at 1bbranding.com. It's one as in the number, B as in boy, branding.com. So make sure you're reaching out to us as we would really love to help you. So now without further ado, we bring to you Romy Neustadt. Romy, first and foremost, I need to express my gratitude towards you for taking the time out of your day to add value here on Decoding Success. So thank you for joining us. I am so thrilled to be with you, Matt. I love what you put out in the world, and I'm just honored that I get to be a part of it today. You most definitely do. And the first question for you straight off the bat is how do you personally define success? Success is knowing what you want, what you stand for, what's important to you, and putting your all into that and letting go of everything else. That's how you get to the success in your life. I love that. So let me ask you, um, what is it that you want? What do you stand for? What is important to Romy today? Well, every year I take time to figure out what my priorities are. And that has evolved over time. But for me, my non-negotiable priorities right now is making healthy choices every single day because I know, Matt, if I'm not taking care of my body and my mind, mental state, emotional state, everything else is going to go to pot. 
it's being an active participant in the life of my most important peeps, which my husband, John, and our two amazing kids. And the third non-negotiable in my life is I help people to design the lives they really want and build a life filled with their version of all. That's awesome. So let me ask you in regards to that priority process, what does that look like? How do you rank what's most important, et cetera, et cetera? So I'm not so sure that it's it's necessarily a ranking. A lot of years, things have felt to be uh, equal. You know, this is a process, Matt, that I went through uh, seven years ago. I had to figure out how the hell I was going to take my life back. Uh, I was growing an incredibly explosive business, exploding in a good way. And I, I had a marriage and an aging mother and two fast-growing kids. And the demands on my time were growing exponentially. And my life was running me instead of me running my life. And I had to figure out how I was going to be able to focus on what was important to me and enjoy what I had built. And so that's when I was finally able to happen upon this whole concept of priorities. Because up until then, I had never taken the time to even figure out what my priorities were. Right. I oftentimes believe that, especially when we're in business or honestly, not even just business, right? When we're just living our day-to-day life and we're, we're hustling and we're making things happen, making money, making sure we're healthy, like those things can kind of slip, you know? So I appreciate the transparency on that front. And to the point you just brought up about your business exploding, I have to ask you, what do you feel like were the main contributors to that? Like, was there something specific behind the, the growth and the scaling of that business? So for me, I, I, I don't, I, I didn't used to always be an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm a corporate chick. I, I come from the world of law where I hated being a lawyer. I hope that's not offending anybody who's listening, <laughs> but, uh, but I was a lawyer and then I transitioned to public relations. I was a PR executive for more than a decade. And then 10 years ago, I got the opportunity to just start and grow my own business. And, and some of the things that were essential to my fast growth was number one, I did make my business a priority. Uh, number two, I, I had to learn to hone my resilience muscle meaning no matter how many no's or closed doors or non-responded requests for help or anything else that came my way, I kept my eye on the reason why I was building it. And that's what fueled me over the long haul. Because as you know, there are going to be disappointments and a lot more, especially in the early days, than the triumphs. And that really sustained me. And then, and then the third thing that was essential is I had to learn how to focus on doing only the things that were going to move the needle in my business, as opposed to everything else, all the noise and everything else I thought I should be doing, and to learn how to delegate the stuff that someone else could be doing as soon as possible. 
A hundred percent. I absolutely love that. And to that point, I want to focus on number two really quickly. You mentioned honing the resilience muscle because, I mean, listen, when we're in business, we're going to hear no. We obviously all know that already. So to that point, how did you deal with hearing no? And oftentimes this comes about when you're reaching out to clients on a cold basis or um, honestly, just whatever and however. So I'm curious, you know, how did you make sure that muscle was growing and it was strong? Well, once I realized that somebody's no or non-responsiveness wasn't about me. And once I stopped making up a BS story in my head, what it meant, that was so incredibly freeing. And I wouldn't allow it to derail me because it's almost never about us. And so that would keep me moving forward. And I would just figure, okay, next. Wasn't meant to be right now. Not right now. Let's keep going. Right. I I love that mindset. And I want to continue to like chop at the tree right there. But when it comes to hearing no and understanding that, you know, it's not about us, but we kind of make it about us because we rely on converting that client because at the end of the day, we want to get paid. Right. So when it comes to that, how do we develop that mindset to understand like, I guess it's, you know, we, we have to let it go. Well, it's not only letting it go, it's just understanding the nature of the beast. It's, it's a game, really. I, I, I work with tens of thousands of people and we have, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers and so many of them said no three, four, five, six, seven, ten times. It's about keep, keep trying, keep having those conversations. And the other thing that's been incredibly helpful, Matt, and really has made my entrepreneurial career so rewarding is that when I shifted my mindset from what can I get from any one person to what can I give to this person? Do I have something of value to offer him or her? then that allowed me to release any attachment to the outcome of any one conversation. Then it just becomes they're not rejecting me or what I have to offer. It's that I don't have something of use to them right now. I love that. You just hit the nail on the head for me. That is what I'm looking for. What can I get versus what can I give? That is a mindset shift that has to happen. So I appreciate that share, but I want to back up just a little bit. We, I mean, personally, I kind of jumped the gun and got into the business talk, but I want to know Romy in high school. Who is Romy in high school? How is she defining success back then? Oh, that's so fun. Well, I was I was in high school in Butte, Montana, of all places. Um, I was becoming this goal-oriented uh, kid who loved to lead. I was, you know, on the tennis team. I was cheerleading captain. I loved to learn, and I worked really hard and was you know, Butte's Junior Miss, and all of these (laughs) other things. Oh my God, I'm going back into the recesses. Um, And I I wasn't a part of a clique. I was just part of everything. And I loved school, and I loved learning, and I loved being involved and exploring. And I, I guess it was the kickoff of a lifetime of of setting goals and hitting them which actually ended up um, serving me in life, but also 
kind of got me to that place that I talked about earlier where my life was running me, but I wasn't running my life. Right. So to that point, was the dream back then always to be a lawyer or was there something that compelled you that said, all right, maybe this is what I want to be now? You know, I'm curious on that front. So I, I picked my career in law because I thought it was the safe choice. Mm. Uh, I, I was in journalism school at, at the University of Southern California and I was the top journalism student there. And I, I picked law because I wasn't so sure at that point at 2021 that I would be able to go to a small media market where you almost always get placed and be good enough to break out. I picked it out of insecurity and fear. And I remember my journalism professors when I told them what I, that I was going to law instead and they started to cry and they were men. <laughs> they were not happy. <laughs> so I, I took the safe route and I went to law and, and as I explained, I, it wasn't a good fit. Turns out I'm not meant to be a litigator and fight and tear things apart and tear people apart. I was meant to build stuff. And I got closer to it in PR and it was in my entrepreneurial life that I've really found my true calling. And that's helping be a catalyst for other people to grow as humans and grow businesses and design the life that they really want. Well, you are most definitely getting after the growth aspect of that and every other aspect you mentioned, especially by being here you know, with us today. So again, I want to express my gratitude towards you for hopping on. And to the point of your desire to build, was that something you knew before you tested the waters or, yeah, I guess tested the waters of entrepreneurship? Or was it something you found out after you took that leap of faith? So I had always been really passionate about people. And in my entrepreneurial world, a huge part of what I do is build people, not just the business. And, and I had an inkling that what I needed to do had to incorporate real people and, and growth and collaboration. I had no idea that being an entrepreneur would be so fulfilling and like personal development with a paycheck. I never would have known, nor did I know how hard it was going to be. But both of those, those things, triumphing over the challenges and being able to, to build something of my very own and to help build up people, God, that's just been the, the greatest professional privilege. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask you about that transitional phase in your life, going from a lawyer to a PR exec to an entrepreneur. Did you feel any turbulence when you were making those changes in your life? And I'll give you some examples. Um, Personally, the ones that I felt, number one was time. And what I mean by that was just having an immense amount of freedom, right? Like being able to wake up at any time you want, because essentially you're the one that's creating, you know, your life and your business. And another one is the pressures that come about with it, right? It's like, okay, if you're not making sales, essentially you're, you're not making a paycheck, right? So the list goes on. Did you feel any turbulence when you were making the change from the corporate world over to entrepreneurship? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, the, the loss of an imposed structure 
can be incredibly jarring for a lot of people. I recognized early on that I had to get crystal clear on where I was going to spend my time throughout the day and what I was going to spend it on. So I started implementing a practice that I still do to this day and I coach other people to do it. Um, every Sunday night, I map out the entire week, everything I need to do, and not just professionally, but in my personal life as well. And, and blocks of time that are set aside and sacred for different uh, work tasks. And how do I fit that around my personal life? Because I want to enjoy the flexibility that I have of being my own boss, right? And then every single night before I shut down for the day, I revisit what the next day is going to look like because we all know that you know what can hit the fan and your best intentions can get blown to smithereens. And so I get to juggle and recalibrate and see what I need to move into other parts of the week. And I really stay true to that schedule. And I always make sure to do the hard stuff first. I put that first thing in the morning because that's the easiest thing to procrastinate, but that's what is going to move the needle. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So let me ask you if you were to go back and maybe you did do this perfectly and flawlessly, but if, you know, when you look at that transitional phase going from corporate to becoming a full-time entrepreneur, what would be your quote unquote perfect formula to make that transition? And what I mean by that is what do you need to have in place um, personally for you? Like, what did you feel like you needed in place? You know, X amount in savings, et cetera, et cetera. So I have to tell you, I, I don't, I, I'm not arrogant enough to think that I can decide for somebody else what they need to have in place before they go all into their entrepreneurial venture. I think everybody's life is different. Everybody's risk tolerance is different. I work with a, with a tremendous number of mostly women who start creating side hustles and then at some point determine whether or not to turn it into a full-time venture. Um, I think it's really important to know that you have enough income and, and savings so that, yes, you could survive for depending on how long you think it's going to take you to continue to ramp up your business and equal what your income was or what your income goals are. You need to have that much in savings in reserve. But I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of being a little hungry and a little scared. When, when we are, are worried about whether or not we're going to have enough funds to cover everything, right? To, to keep right. our lives afloat. It's amazing what I've seen people do and how, how focused they get on growing their business how hunger hunger is a pretty powerful incentive. And I don't just mean literal hunger. I mean the hunger to, to create something, the hunger to have more security and time freedom. So I, I can't give you a specific prescription for that, but I do want to tell folks that if you are scared to cut the cord and to go all in, if you have a big enough why you want to do this, you can do it. You just have to run. Right. A hundred percent, you know, and I definitely, 
resonate with you when it comes to ha- putting a little scare in ourselves? I think that is uh, definitely something that I love to do. Personally, I always talk about putting myself or maybe I should say like this, publicizing my goals and only cer- you know certain goals. For instance, if I were to come out with a podcast, I would always announce to the public it would be coming out on XYZ date. And you know that would put some pressure on my plate. And I, I like that. So I definitely uh, resonate with that you know, point you mentioned. And to continue on the topic of that transitional phase, I want to kind of play into the part that you have a family, right? You have children, you have, you know, a significant other. So to that point, what was it like even for them? And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, we might have some people that are tuned into this right now that are thinking, well, you know, I have to provide in some way, shape or form. So do you feel like it's honestly just, you know, something that adds fuel to the fire to continue making yourself hungry and um, putting that, I guess, pressure on yourself in a way to, to push forward? I, I, th- I think what you're asking is when you have other mouths to feed, does it make you more hungry to keep going? Is that is that what I'm gathering? Yeah, it's definitely a part of it. You know, I'm just really curious about what it was like in your personal position when you, you know, you had um, you know, a significant other and children, and you were kind of leaving the the comfort of, I, I guess, uh, a check that was coming to you, however often, whether that was a week or two weeks or on a monthly Got basis, it. whatever the case was, versus um, almost the uncertainty of not knowing when the next one was coming in. So, so for us, uh, and my husband is a doctor at the time he was practicing, he was um, able to leave clinical practice because of the success of my business ultimately, but, uh, and become an entrepreneur. But um, for, for us, we made the collective decision that my business had grown to the point where we could see the, the growth pattern. I needed to put more time in to keep getting that kind of exponential growth. And even though it was going to get a little tighter for us in the short term, we could see the long-term potential by me investing more time into my my business. Now, I'm not going to lie. That was a luxury I had because John had a, a thriving practice. Um, we were we were getting by. We certainly weren't completely flush, and then the college funds weren't funded, and um, the vacation funds weren't teeming over. But but I had that cushion, and I think for a lot of folks who are juggling family and trying to figure out whether you have a one or two income household, it it takes a lot of communication, and this is what's so key. There's a lack historically of, of a lot of communication among, you know, husbands and wives or partners when they're trying to figure out what kind of career steps to make. And John and I have always been, and I'm so grateful for it, incredibly open with one another about our goals, our fears, and how we are going to work as a team to get our family to where we want to be and to keep growing as individuals. And so that was essential for us. For sure. That's absolutely amazing. And I appreciate you sharing that. And to the point of having a relationship as an entrepreneur, I'm so selfishly going to ask this because I, I, I guess <laughs> I never asked a woman this, so I'm just going to do it here. Uh, what needs to be in place 
you know, in your opinion, to have a successful relationship as an entrepreneur. And um, again, super open, super transparent and authentic here. I just started dating uh, an entrepreneur herself and she's absolutely crushing it. So to make sure that um, I'm being open to everything, I would love to know what you feel like has to be in place. And clearly you just mentioned communication, but I'd love to know what else. Yeah, well, congratulations and good luck on the new relationship. Uh, There are a couple things that that I think are absolutely key. And this loops back to what we talked about earlier, which is your priorities. You know, if you take the time to really figure out what your priorities are in your life right now, and then set goals that serve those priorities... And you focus on that and let go of everything else, then you will actually have the time to carve out to nurture a relationship. Because I'm assuming if this goes well, this relationship becomes one of your priorities, right? 100%. So so a lot of times, uh, folks who are involved in, it doesn't even have to be, you know, entrepreneurs. It, it can be in all professions and we're juggling so much in our lives. We hear all the time, like, I just don't have time for my boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. And the problem really is you do have time for them. You're just spending too much time on other shit. And the, the stuff that's not important to your life, not truly. And so to get really clear on that and clean house of everything that isn't that. Now, the other thing that has been so helpful for John and me, and um, I, I write about this, I speak on it, and it's just the biggest aha moment for couples, is not only do I spend time every week on my schedule and knowing everything, get intimate with my schedule, After that, John and I have traffic meetings. And this is incredibly important when folks have kids. We have meetings and go over what each of us is doing every week. We have um, give and take about, okay, you're going to take this. I'll take this. We'll juggle here. We find out in those meetings, you know what? This is where we need more help. These are holes we need to fill. And where does it make sense to to delegate some of this to somebody else. And, and we also schedule date night. Um, back when I was growing the business really fast, Matt, I mean, I was working my ass off. We even scheduled sex. I'm not going to lie. Is it, is it romantic? Is it spontaneous? Is it like a movie? No, but it's how we made sure we stayed connected. And I, I, I think we, we all need to be doing more of those types of things to make sure we're preserving our relationship while we are going after professional dreams. A hundred percent. And Romy, I have to admit, I, I hope you understand that I am over here writing this stuff down. <laughs> Okay. This is this is important stuff. I definitely appreciate it. And I know you just brought up your kids. And as mentioned before we started recording here, you know, I have to ask you, what is one thing that truly stands out to you that your kids have taught you thus far? Oh my goodness. Our our kids have been my greatest teachers. Um they they are constantly reminding me what is important in life. They are constantly requiring me to be my best self so that I can model what I want for them to do and evolve into. Uh, and, And what's amazing is all the things that I 
try and live by and, you know, things I put in my books, I, I get to teach them those things and to watch them be sponges and take it in and implement stuff that, frankly, Matt, took me sometimes for decades to figure out. They're grasping at their young ages. It is just the greatest privilege to be able to help these humans. And, you know, I often joke, I think our job is to love them and and help them step into their greatness and hopefully not screw them up too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And I can only imagine how beautiful bringing life is into the world. So I give you so much credit there. And I am pretty damn confident that these kids are going to be awesome because of you and your husband. So that is absolutely amazing. And to the point of you bringing up books, let's talk about your new book. You can have it all just not at the same damn time. So my question to you right off the bat is let's go into that title. What is that about? So (laughs) I I think we all, and and especially for the the women out there, I got to give a shout out to you all. I, I think all of us we're we're suffering from unrealistic expectations. You know who we're supposed to be, how much we're supposed to accomplish, how we're supposed to look while we're doing it. We're trying to be all things to all people, and our to do lists are getting so long all the time, and. Folks are walking around stressed and exhausted and feeling like a failure. And we're not getting to the things that we really want to do. And that's where I was seven years ago when I was growing my business and working on my marriage and growing little kids and doing it all. And I was having a breakdown, Matt. And I had to figure out how to take my life back. And I had an epiphany. The problem was I was trying to do it all. And if I kept doing that, I was never, ever going to have it all. And so in this book, I, I get to share my experience, all the tools that I found, the tools that I created for myself in order to figure out what I wanted in life, how to go after that and how to let go of everything else and how I've taught other folks to do the same thing, to find their true all. I love how this all ties into what you were mentioning multiple times throughout the show when it comes to priorities, right? Mm -hmm. And that whole process. So that's really awesome. And you want to know what I have to say. I have been diving into the book. I have not finished it yet, but there are multiple points that I want to talk about that really stand out to me. And the first one is something that I did for the first time in 2019. And I just turned 27 years old. This is the first time I've ever done this. And it was declaring my one word for the year. And Mm -hmm. personally, my one word for the year was faith. I am a man of spiritual background and you know, I just wanted to have faith on multiple different levels, not just spiritually, but in myself, in my work, in my, you know, network, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes to declaring your one word, what's the process of doing so? Like, is there something that says, hey, like you could do, you know, step A through Z here and you should be able to come up with your one word? Is there anything like that? So I'm so glad you asked this. And by the way, I love your word. Um, Uh, for the year. This whole process, I stumbled upon it back in that 
you know, time in my life seven years ago when I was having this breakdown and I was, I was trying to get real quiet and figure out how I was going to take control over my life. And I did happen upon this concept of the one word. Now, Matt, this was long before it was this, you know, fad with the washer bracelets and (laughs) the segments on the Today Show. But there was something about it that really resonated with me. And I think that's perhaps what attracted you. It's this ability to declare, to have kind of a mantra, if you will, for the year about what you want your life to stand for. And it's, it's an emotional thing that draws you to it. Um, And, and I have, have, coached, you know, tens of thousands of people through finding their word in the process that comes from it uh, for, you know, seven years now. And all the different words, there's no right word. It's what, what is important to you at, at any given time in your life. But here's the thing, Matt, and I really hope that you'll do the rest of the process. I knew even back then, just declaring one word by itself, wasn't going to be enough to actually change what was ailing my life. Uh, It makes for a great social media post and a hashtag, but it wasn't going to be enough. (laughs) And, And that's when it dawned on me that I had never made priorities, uh, a priority in my life. Okay. So I was 42 at the time. I'm much, much more advanced than you, shall we say in age. Um, I had never once stopped to think about, about my priorities. I'd been setting goals my whole life. And in fact, I had been confusing goals and priorities, thinking they were synonymous. But they're not. They're two totally different things. So it finally dawned on me, wait a minute, I've got to figure out what are the non-negotiables in my life right now And then I've got to set goals, these things in the future that are so important to me that I want to work toward them. I've got to set goals that actually serve those priorities because that's the only way I'm going to find true fulfillment. I'm going to be spending my time on the things that I should be because they're important to me. And it's going to give me the roadmap to let go of all the other stuff that's getting my time that isn't important. So I hope you For do sure. the process. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I definitely, most definitely do. And uh, I think it's uh, a great reminder for everyone that's tuned into this right now to understand that it's much bigger than, like you mentioned, a social media post and a hashtag and bracelets and shirts and things of that nature. There's, you know, uh, you know, work to be done on top of just actually declaring that word. So I appreciate that. And to that point, there's two more topics in this book that really stood out to me. And obviously there's a lot more than that, but I want to respect everyone's time here. So the second one is understanding how to realistically value your time. Now, I would love to sit here, Romy, and say, hey, like, you know, an hour with me is a million dollars, you know, but um, how do you realistically come up to that number? So I love teaching people to figure out how much their time is worth. You know, Matt, I come from two professions that were ruled by the billable hour. And when I was growing my business and trying to figure out where my time should go, I thought it would be real helpful for me if I could assign a billable hour rate, if you will, to to my time. Because I thought, you know what, it would make it easier. It would give me mathematical proof 
that my time might be worth more than some of the stuff I was, I was spending it on, it would take the emotion out of it. And, and, and so I, I came up with a, an equation, which I, I have in the book, but it centers around two numbers. The first number is how much does your dream life cost? I'm not talking about how you're living today. I'm talking about the aspirational way you want to be living in five years. And in the book, I, I ask you a whole bunch of questions to pull that out of you and, and to get a number. And, and I really encourage everyone to allow themselves to think that way and, and dare to dream that whatever you want is really possible. So that gives you what your dream life would cost every year. And then the next number that's essential for this equation is, is how many hours a week do you want to be working? Again, not while you're building whatever you're building, but, but ultimately, what does that look like? How many hours? And invariably, people will lowball themselves on this exercise and, and I push them back and, and tell them, no, I really want you to dream about what you want. Don't limit yourself. Now, when I did this, uh, first did this, it, it came out that my hourly was $962 an hour, which at the time was certainly more than I was ever billing out as a lawyer or a PR exec. And it really changed the way that I was thinking about giving of my time on a conference call that really wasn't worth my time. It made it very easy for me to say, you know what, I need someone, hire someone to be doing all of the family finances because I can pay them a hell of a lot more than it takes me per hour to do this. And, and the, the other decisions that I made were just so much easier. Now my billable today, I'm thrilled to report, is dramatically more than that. And I connect it so much to these delegating and deleting decisions that I did based on that number. Right. That is phenomenal. Now, I didn't want to give away too much of the book, but I'm glad you dove into it there. I most definitely want people to go out and get the book, which we'll talk about in just a little bit as well. Now, the third point that I love, and this is probably something that I've dealt with more in 2019 than I ever have really. And it came down to um, the lack of protection that I had from comparing and unrealistic expectations, especially being that this was my first time leaving, although I don't even want to consider it corporate. When I was working with Damon John of Shark Tank, it wasn't really a nine to five, although I was there for those type of hours, but um, it was a very loose environment. But I did make that transition and I I very much so set crazy expectations for myself and I found myself comparing all too often, specifically when it came to business, right? When it came to year one in business, I was comparing to other people's year three or, you know, someone else's year 10 in podcasting. So my question to you is how do we protect ourselves from that? I, I think this comparison epidemic that is going on for, for everyone in both their personal and professional lives is so dangerous and it can be paralyzing for so many people. And it's, exer it's exacerbated by this carefully curated Insta world that we're living in. That's something that helped me so much. And, and you mentioned these business metrics that you were comparing yourself uh, against with others, is if we take the time to be really clear on why we're doing something, 
and what our goals are that are serving that why, and we stay true to that, we have less propensity to fall into the comparison trap. If, if we are secure in the decisions we're making and focusing on that, then our eyes are not shifting left and right, but they're on our stuff, on what we're doing. And I, I tell folks all the time, and this has happened to me time and time again throughout my career, you know, I look at other people and what they do, and I always tell myself, man, that is so inspiring because it's showing me what's possible instead of thinking, man, she is so much further ahead than me. Right. Oh, 100%. I appreciate that. And all of this advice, honestly, I've very much so appreciated and everything that you mentioned in the book as well. And to the point of that, there is a lot of amazing content with inside of it. But if you were to only choose one piece of advice within that book or one thing for someone that reads it to walk away, what would you want that one thing to be? I think what this book is really about, in addition to having tons of actionable tips and tools and mindset shifts and all of it at the core is the message that we limit our lives by giving over the power to of to fear fear of being judged fear we're not enough fear of success we're all allowing ourselves to get ruled by fear and i think one of the most important things that I can help people do in this book is how to say F fear. And that F can mean whatever you want. For me, it means something salty. I, I got to tell you, Matt, but, <laughs> but to let go of the fear, push it off to the side and go after what you really want. Because the most amazing things in your life are on the other side of fear. Right. I totally agree. How, that's how I got to the good stuff was by saying F fear. Right. A hundred percent. Listen, at the end of the day, I do believe that, um, you know, when we travel the path that's not often traveled or something that we've never done before and that fear does creep in when we turn that corner, it is such a freaking beautiful and rewarding feeling. And I couldn't agree with you more on that. I definitely appreciate you sharing that. And I'm really excited to continue to amplify this message and make sure that individuals that are tuned into this are getting this book because it's definitely something to have on everyone's radar going into 2020 and beyond. So to that point, Romy, a few more questions for you. I do want to respect your time as everyone else that's tuned into this. My first question is, being that you are coming out with a book, I'm sure you're hopping on a bunch of podcasts, you do a lot of coaching. What is a question you wished more people would ask you and how would you answer it? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important for us to discuss all the ways that we fail and what, what did the failures teach us? You know, those of us who have the privilege of uh, a platform to share ideas and lessons learned in a, in a book like this one can, you know, sometimes it can be easy for folks reading or listening to think, well, they got all their shit together. But the, the reality is, I screw up, I make mistakes, I'm a work in progress too. The point is to be self-aware enough and have the tools to course correct. And then to forgive yourself and have the grace and 
and to understand how to look for the golden nuggets of wisdom in every stumble. For sure. So to that point, what do you feel like is your most monumental failure to date? You know, I don't even think that way. I really don't. I I screw up every day and I learn stuff every single day and I'm grateful for all of it. And even when I look back and I might say, oh God, well, going into law and chickening out from going into journalism, that was an epic failure. But it was the path I was supposed to take and look at all I learned. And I wouldn't be who I am today doing what I'm doing today had I not taken that path. Right. For sure. I love that. I most definitely love that. And I think it's a great mindset that you have in regards to not letting one failure stand out. And that's definitely something I'm guilty of for sure. I, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, wow, you know, I should definitely shift my mindset. But I, I love that. So to continue here, what do you feel is a piece of advice that you were given over time and you didn't want to hear it at the time it was given to you, but it ended up proving to be true? Oh, that's a great question. So back when I was a a PR pro, I had a client, her name is Nell Merlino, and she is the founder of Take Your Daughter to Work Day, which became Take Your Children to Work Day. And I was doing work for her on this other venture that she started for economic independence for women. And I was driving her to a press conference and we were chit-chatting. And she said to me, Romy, do you know why there aren't more women millionaires? I said, why, Nell? She said, because women have a hard time delegating. And unless you do that, you won't have the bandwidth to do the things you need to do to be super successful. Now, at the time I heard it, I took it in, but there was this part of me that the control freak part, I don't know if you can relate to that, but, but the control freak part of me, you know, started to twitch a little inside thinking, you mean I have to let go of stuff? (laughs) But as I grew as a professional and as a human and understood that that's absolutely right. I should only be doing the things that only I can do and be delegating the other things, um, that's going to free me up to build what I'm here to build and serve who I'm here to build. Um, that was transformative. And, and I teach folks in my new book how to figure out what to delete and delegate. And, and I really credit Nell. God love you, Nell. I credit you for first planting that seed. That is honestly huge. And, you know, just from my experience, I think not only myself, but I see it rather often that, you know, a lot of individuals are kind of in that similar position, right? I mean, we often look at our businesses as our babies in a way, you know, it's what we're creating, as we discussed earlier. So it's kind of almost difficult to let go of the reins, but that was like on the brink, that point you made in your book about delegating and things of that nature, that was on the brink of a question I wanted to ask. But again, like we're crunched for time. So those other three were huge, but I definitely appreciate you sharing that. And on the flip side of that question, what do you feel is the best piece of advice you've been given and who was the person that gave it to you? God, that's, I, I, I don't, I, I don't I, mean I think, to stump you. <laughs> no, no. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitating because I've been, I, I, this may sound corny, but I've been really blessed to have 
such great teachers in my life, even if the, if at the time I didn't recognize it. Um, you know, when it all comes down to it, I, I think, I think the, the greatest lesson I got was as a little girl and I got it over and over again from my father. I lost him when I was 28. He died. So he never saw any of the good parts of, of my life. Um, John, the kids, the, the success, but, but he always would tell me, cause I was a worrier as a kid and, and, a, and a perfectionist. And I've since recovered from that perfectionism, but but I remember he would, he would tell me and he'd call me lovey and he'd say, lovey, lovey, don't worry about the small stuff. Don't worry about it. Just share your light and lead with love. And that I've carried with me forever. And yeah, he was right. For sure. And I, I know that's something you're going to continue to carry and that's touching. So I appreciate, you know, you sharing something so close to you on this show. I think that's, you know, really monumental. So thank you for that. And Romy, last question for you. I want to, again, respect your time here. If you could only give one piece of universal advice for the rest of your life, what would that be? And I know this is a, a tough question because you've given a ton thus far and th there's a ton in the book. So is there one thing that you would, or what is that one thing that you feel would be that, I guess, that one thing for the rest of the life? So really, it's why I wrote this book, Matt. If, if I don't ever write another word, the fact that I'm igniting this conversation and saying to everybody, we have this one precious life to live, a finite amount of time. We all have to spend it focused on what we truly want. So take the time to figure out what your all is. Go after it and let go of all the other bullshit. Right. A hundred percent. Listen, I've had such an amazing time discussing this stuff with you. It has really been a pleasure and I want to make sure people are connecting with you after the show. So I'm going to put your socials in the show notes of this episode, but I would love for you to let us know where they could find you on social. I'm sure the book is going to be in all major retailers and on Amazon and things of that nature. And lastly, what is going on in the life of Romy today outside of the book? Do you have any other special projects taking place? This is the time to drop them. Wow. So uh, I am still growing my business. So that's huge. Uh, I am uh, all in mom as well. Uh, I do because we got, we got an audience here. I got to give a shameless plug for my 14 year old son's book. He wrote a book for his bar mitzvah project. It's called the bullied, not broken. You can awesome. find out about it at bulliednotbroken.com. He was bullied as a kid, and he has turned that into an inspirational book to help other kids to know that they're not alone and all they can learn from that experience. And he's donating the proceeds to the Born This Way Foundation. So, so I'm all in with that as well. Um, I got a book tour going on in eight cities to learn everything I'm doing, all the upcoming speaking gigs and the things that I put out in my blog and my newsletter and other projects I got going on. Go to romynewstat.com and I would love to, to keep in touch with folks. 
That is awesome. All right, great. And I definitely appreciate you sharing your son's project. Please let him know. I think that is absolutely amazing. That will most definitely be in the show notes with all your social media handles, your websites, the links to the books and things of that nature. So Romy, again, I just want to express my gratitude for you hopping on here, having your success decoded and adding a ton of value today. So again, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It was a blast. All the best to you. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it from our friend Romy. Now, as always, I want to request that you are connecting with her on social media. Very simply, you can find all of her social handles in the show notes of this episode. I don't want to make anything hard for you or difficult. So very simply, you could scroll up if you're on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening from, you could head over to the show notes and grab all of her social handles and make sure you reach out to her. Let her know that you heard her here on Decoding Success. I'm very confident she would love to have a conversation with you in the DMs or wherever you decide that you want to reach out in the comments, etc., etc. On top of that, as you know, as you've heard in this episode, Romy just released her brand new book. You could also find a link to that in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you're grabbing yourself a copy and don't be hesitant to gift it to someone one as well. I personally think there is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world more valuable than the gift of education, especially if individuals like us who are listening to a podcast all have these like-minded traits and characteristics. I think that is a very powerful, very, very powerful gift to anyone. So on top of that, as always, I like to decode three points that resonated with me on the utmost highest of levels. And I often say, and I always really say this, that it's really challenging to only pick three, but there were three things that were just like dinging in my mind as they were being said in this episode. And the first thing is understanding that someone's no isn't about you. And I don't want this to come off as a business quote or, you know, phrasing it in that sense. Think about it. If you are trying to close a sale and we will use a business example if you're trying to close a sale and someone says no well okay that's fine that's redirection and that's exactly what Romy was alluding to here but even in maybe a relationship and you're trying to maybe move the ball somewhere with you know someone that you're you know you're into and they're not into it and they say no well that's okay that too is redirection and I think the point or the the way to grasp that is understanding that it's not personal, which is one of the four agreements. And this right here has been hitting home for me, especially when we were discussing this over, you know, over the course of this episode, because in my master group, we hired one of our coaches to fly into New York City and talk about, you know, ways for us to improve our life. And that showed up. And then I heard it here again. And it's like, wow, like we have to understand that there is nothing personal in this world. Like, There's nothing personal. So that's point number one. Point number two is making sure you are doing two to three things to move the needle. And yet again, this is something that came up in that mastermind group with our coach that we just mentioned, right? Another thing, understanding what are two to three things that you can do daily, that you can focus on daily to move the needle forward. I think that is something so big and so crucial that we don't necessarily do. We have so many micro tasks on our plate. We're doing things that we could be delegating. We're not focusing on the work that we are the only ones that can do and when you really break down your day based on two to three things that you can 
laser focus on and that only you can do, you move the needle a lot more than just banging out little micro tasks. And I didn't believe it at first. I said, well, if I can get more things done, wouldn't that be better? But no, it's not better. Get rid of the things on your plate that can be done by other people. And you want to know what? You may be listening to this and you may be at the beginning stage of your journey and whatever it is, a passion project, a business, and you're like, you know what? I don't have the funds. Well, that's fine. Operate on the power of broke, but make sure you have in mind that you want to be able to shift. You want to shift into doing things that only you can do and delegate to VAs, delegate to contract workers, delegate to interns. Like the list really goes on. So I wanted to make that point right there. And lastly, number three, I don't know how many people, and maybe I'm just guilty of this myself, but I don't oftentimes recalibrate the things that I want in life. And I'll give you an example, how many hours a week I want to work or, you know, what is my 10 year vision? Because after a certain point, it starts to change, right? We start to grow. Things start to change. We need to be checking in with ourselves more often on these things. And, you know, I know we're fresh into 2020, so we may have it in mind, but don't wait until the end of 2020 to be able to to check in on that again. Make it a priority to do it every three months or maybe for you it's every six months maybe for you it's every six weeks right make sure you are continuously checking into what it is you want in life so that you're able to get after what it is and maybe you have to readjust or maybe you have to pivot there is so much power in pivots and readjustment and recalibration and retargeting and all of these things and oftentimes I feel like we don't necessarily do it because we feel that we don't want to get off track we don't want to you know hop onto another track I should say but I'm going to recap these three things one more time. And Romy, shout out to you. I really do appreciate all of the value that you dropped on this show. Point number one was understanding that someone's no isn't about you. It is not personal. That is in life in general, not just in business. Number two, focus on two to three things daily to move the needle, whether that's in your passion projects, in your relationships. If you need to send a damn good morning text or if you need to, you know, pick up flowers from the florist for your wife or for, you know, you want to get a watch for your husband, whatever the case is, like do things that will move the needle forward in whatever it is you are doing in life and lastly understand what you want make sure you check in on that thought a lot more often than you know just once or twice a year that's super super important now if you found Romy's advice her experiences her values her wisdom to be of value to you I'm going to ask you to make sure you are leaving a rating and review for this show especially if you're tuned in from Apple or iTunes and on top of that if you don't mind sharing that that would mean the absolute world to us as we want to be able to impact more people. That's what it truly comes down to. Tag us on Instagram. Put it on your Instagram story. I promise you, I'm going to repost you. Get you some exposure. Shout out your business. Anything of that nature. I want to reciprocate the love and we very much so appreciate the love. So until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.